Hi, my name is Jan Wilczek. Welcome to Wolf Talk, a podcast about audio programming. In this podcast, you will learn how to build your career in programming or research related to audio, meet programmers and researchers from all around the world, and learn about the intricacies of sound. Welcome to the third session of the Wolf Talk podcast. In this episode, I want to introduce you to another member of the Alto Acoustics Lab of the Alto University in Espo, Finland. Jon Fagerström is doing his PhD research in the domain of audio signal processing, in particular sampling synthesis and artificial reverberation. In this episode, we'll discuss what challenges beginning researchers in audio must face, how to find your niche in audio research, and also what interesting ways there are to end up as an audio researcher. As usual, all references mentioned in this podcast can be found under dwolfsound.com slash talk003. Once again, it's dwolfsound.com slash talk003. Just quickly, before we begin, I would like to ask you, if you like the podcast so far, please go to iTunes and leave a review there. It will benefit both sides. More reviews means more outreach on iTunes. And the feedback will help me to make the show better and provide higher quality content to you. Thank you. So, let's begin. Hi everyone, I'm here with Jon Fagerström of the Alto Acoustics Lab. Jon is doing his PhD in audio and Jon, thank you for agreeing on this interview. Yeah, thank you for having me. Could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, so hi, I'm Jon Fagerström and I'm a PhD student here at Aalto University in the Acoustics Lab. And I'm working in Vesa Valimäki's group, as are you now also. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for having me for the interview. <laughs> yeah, uh, I heard that your story of Getting into this PhD position is quite interesting. Could you maybe uh, tell, like, how did it start for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. It's a funny story, actually. <laughs> so at the time I was like uh, studying uh, electronics the, for the bachelor in uh, Metropolia University of Applied Sciences uh, here in Helsinki. And uh, at the time I was also doing like uh, cleaning work basically here at Otaniemi in this startup facility. And then there was this one headphone company, uh, it was called Hefio, and their manager actually came down to me and asked, hey, can you solder? <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, do you want a job here to build some prototype headphones? So I was like, okay, sure, I can do it. <laughs> And, uh, and by soldering, you mean uh, connecting wires and uh, mounting elements yes, together? Yes. So, yeah, my job was to build these prototype headphones back then. And yeah, soldering refers to the melting of the team mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. make the connections. 
for the electronics. Yes. Okay, and then so you were at the company, and how did it go from there? Yeah, so then I I did my bachelor thesis also for the company, so that was related on uh, like headphone measurements and also about building the prototypes and that that sort of stuff. And then then I kind of got interested in like that because I heard about then this master's program in Al- here Aalto University. And yeah, then I got like interested that maybe I could also do the master still here. The course is called uh, Acoustics and Audio Technology? Yes, yes, that one. So yeah, because I had the bachelor's already, then it was like two years for the master's mm-hmm. on top of that. So yeah, then I decided to apply and also I got like uh, the recommendation from this company because they had been, the people working there had been studying here. Also. So is it is it necessary to get a recommendation to get accepted to the masters at uh... Uh, Yeah yes if so if you go straight to the masters you basically I think you need like the recommendation letter then like copy of your previous study the tra- transcripts and then then like your own motivational letter so there's there's those three main things I think Okay so then uh, you had this diploma of this uh, University of Applied Sciences yes and you said that you did the bachelor's but do you mean there was also like an extra bachelor that you did or was it the one with from the applied sciences yes it was that one oh okay yes and does it make it a little maybe harder to get into this masters from an applied sciences university than as opposed to if you were at alto already and Try to go to the yeah, I guess in a sense that, in my understanding, if you do the bachelor here at Alto, mm-hmm. then you kind of continue to some of the master degrees automatically. Oh, okay. So it's like nobody really does just the bachelor in Alto, but mm-hmm. it's like bachelor and the master automatically then. Okay, <clears throat> and then uh, of course you needed to write your master thesis, I guess. Yes, yes. So. I, I did that also here at the lab then. So there was this uh, course, the audio signal processing course in the master's program. And after that, uh, so it, it was run by Vesa Välimäki and then Benoit Alari also. So Benoit actually had then this proposal for the thesis, which was this velvet noise combined with feedback delay networks. So this artificial reverberation topic and yeah I decided to then wrap that one basically and that's how I ended up working here at the lab for the first time. (laughs) You know I think I'll call this episode from uh, cleaning the floors to feedback delay network. (laughs) Oh yeah that works. (laughs) Yeah so um, and uh, maybe could you hear how did the master's thesis go? Because I guess there was also a related publication with it. Yes, yes, that's true. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that was the plan from the beginning, basically. So uh, Benoit and Vesa thought that this could be a, a great topic for, for this digital audio effects uh, uh, conference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from the start, we decided. Uh, so we first basically aimed for the conference. So I guess... Some people do it like the other way around. Mm-hmm. You first do the thesis <laughs> and then it might be. A... But for me, it was actually backwards. So I first, <laughs> first did the conference paper, so the condensed version. And mm-hmm. then I had to like uh, 
expand it for the thesis. <laughs> yeah, add additional text. <laughs> yes, all the background, bloat the background and all yeah. that. <laughs> use use longer words, longer mm-hmm. sentences. Yes. <laughs> Could you maybe share what was the process because being behind writing the paper? So mm. uh, I guess it was your first scientific publication. Yes. So as someone entering uh, that activity, mm. how how would you describe it? Like, was it difficult or or not? Yeah, I think it was quite difficult. But then I think I had great support from both Benoit and Vesa mm-hmm. for the writing process. So yeah, eventually it went quite smoothly. Actually, then the the writing itself. So it was more more about well getting some results and then having some kind of like like a story for the paper basically that we did this thing and then how do we sell it now with the paper kind of Mm -hmm. the results yeah so it's important to to stress like uh which aspect is applicable to let's say the industry applications for example yeah and like like if you have the results like why is it important mm-hmm. and then where, to what do you compare the new proposing and all that, that those things okay and could you share maybe a little bit what was your research about so you mentioned like it included feedback delay network so artificial reverberation and yes. velvet noise so could you uh, try to explain it to someone who knows only little about audio. Yeah, I can try that. <laughs> yeah, so so both actually both of those like feedback delay networks and velvet noise have been used for artificial reverberation mm-hmm. before also, but now now the idea was to uh, basically improve the feedback delay network with the velvet noise. So with feedback delay networks, you have these like multiple inputs and outputs. Mm-hmm. And then you mix mix all of those, but you will you have to have like sufficient amount of the delay lines in the system, mm-hmm. so you can build up the echo density quick enough. Because otherwise, especially with like transient sounds like drum sounds and those those types mm-hmm. of sounds, you will get then this like grainy sound in the beginning because there's not enough like echoes at the beginning. So the problem is that uh, we want to simulate some acoustic space. Yes. That there is like a hit on a snare drum. Yes. And then there we get get some reverberation, some some decaying echoes. And one of the methods is like the feedback delay network. Hmm. That is a complex system of of delay where we actually delay our input signal by various amounts, and then we mix this amount yes. and delay them again. And the problem is that. Uh, basically, if you had this hit, you would have to uh, wait too long until you have this impression of a room, and it's it, this artificial reverb sounds artificially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to put it, actually. Yeah, because with the delays, then you have to have like enough and short enough delays also, so mm-hmm. you can get this quickly. But then there's the trade-off that. If you use shorter delay lines, then you can start to hear the the modes, mm-hmm. the frequency. If mm-hmm. you don't have enough delay length in total, so so this our our improved method was basically aimed at that we could 
like use longer delay lines but fewer amount of them and then then we inject the velvet noise in each delay line to mm -hmm. increase it quicker because awesome. the velvet noise is then like additional uh, fear fear filter in each delay line basically to get get the echo density quicker. Awesome. So it's like uh, you insert artificial reverberation inside the delays of the artificial reverberation, which is feedback delay network. Yeah, essentially, yes. Awesome. And uh, well, your research was successful in the sense that Benoit Alary is now uh, has has defended his PhD thesis. Oh yeah, true. So, so. <laughs> this, this was part of that also. So. <laughs> That's nice. And uh, how did you go from that su successful master thesis to a PhD position? Yeah. So yeah, after the master thesis, I had still some coursework for the master's program. So I completed those mm -hmm. after I completed the thesis. And yeah, then then I just I I really enjoyed my time here at the lab, and I. Well, I, I wanted to make the decision that, okay, do I want to continue in this mm -hmm. academic path or then try to apply for some company position? Mm -hmm. And yeah, then I decided that maybe this would be something to pursue pursue more. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, then I just asked Vesa that, hey, could I, or I, I guess we had some conversations along the way also mm -hmm. that if I would like to, it maybe could be possible. So. Yeah, then I just asked Vesa and he was like, okay, you can, you can continue with the PhD if you want. <laughs> nice, that's, that's really, uh, really cool. When you started uh, the PhD, uh, did you have a specific topic in mind? So was it like a scientific question that you wanted to answer? Or was it, is it more determined on the go mm -hmm. and it's up until the end of the PhD is not that fixed what your research topic is? Uh, well, for me, yeah, we had this conversation with Vesa and also uh, my advisor, uh, Sebastian Schlecht. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we, we came up with this kind of broad topic that we would try to use velvet noise and uh, like find more applications for that. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the broad, broad topic. And then we kind of went ahead and uh, tried to come up with this new application with this variation filtering for impact sounds, which I started now. But in a sense, the topic can kind of uh, change along the way. So it's still hard to say like on these early stages, because then now also this application might be so interesting that I end up Mm -hmm. digging more into this and then this comes like the bigger thing but we will see i think it also maybe depends on the results right like yeah if yeah. the results are even more promising that you may take one pay path of or the other yeah so uh, <clears throat> at this stage you are now it's it's 2021 yeah and so which year is it for you of the phd so this should be 2023 at the end of this i think Okay, and which year did you start? So I started at the start of this year. So it's it's this four four year track basically. Okay. So I think towards the end of twenty three, I should be uh, doing the dissertation basically. Mm -hmm. 
understand. So it's really interesting because like you're, we could say a little bit on the, at the beginning of, of this path. Hmm. And I wanted to delve a little bit about this velvet not noise application. Maybe first of all, could you explain what exactly is velvet noise? Yes. So uh, velvet noise is per- perceptually similar to white noise. So white Gaussian noise that it has all the frequencies. It sounds kind of smooth when you listen to it. But velvet noise actually has like mostly zeros. If you look at the impulse response or the signal itself, mm-hmm. it has mostly zeros and then just plus and minus ones, basically. So it's a spar- okay. sparse version of noise, but it still sounds perceptually as smooth or even smoother than white noise. Okay, I know it may be a little bit technical, but I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you generate this velvet noise? Yeah, so you you can generate it by, you basically make this kind of grid with a certain uh, like width, the grid, and then you randomly put one impulse within each of those grids. Mm-hmm. So there's only one impulse within each, each like segment. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. so the location is randomized and then you randomize also, is it negative one or positive one? Okay. So then you get kind of this random sequence, but still within each of those blocks, you can only have one impulse. Exactly. And are these blocks uh, separate or are they overlapping maybe? I think they're separate. So you you shouldn't have like at the border, mm-hmm. you can't have like overlap there. Okay, nice. <clears throat> cool. And it's it's uh, really interesting that it has, it has these, these uh, echo building properties. What I wanted now to go to uh, was this application of the velvet noise because I guess you applied it in your uh, recent research, right? Yes, yes. Could you share maybe what was it about? Yeah, so this was about uh, generating variations in the impact sounds mm-hmm. or percussive sounds. So uh, basically with, uh, with sampling synthesis where you have like one recording of certain mm-hmm. sound like a, like a door knock sound or some drum sound then if you would play back only that one sample consecutively, then it will sound like rep- repetitive and also artificial. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the idea was then to make kind of this random filtering that you would change between each consecutive hit the spectrum with the filter, and then it would sound more natural. And for the uh, filter, we used this short velvet noise sequences because yeah before i said that the velvet noise sounds like smooth and is mm-hmm. kind of flat but then if you take a really short one then mm-hmm. this is not true actually because it has then so few impulses that mm-hmm. it isn't like flat yet because it's kind of like yeah the longer you take the flatter it will be yeah the sequence is not long enough to, to yeah. have like a w- wide spectrum yes so then we use this these short velvet noise sequences to create these random variations mm-hmm. to the impact sounds. So you can have like different velvet noise sequences and if you use these sequences in in some order then uh, then each generated or, or modified sound will sound differently because it was processed with a different velvet noise filter. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. And you, you can create then for each 
each time you trigger that basically. Awesome. So let's say that uh, I don't have to record 10 times a snare hit. Mm. Uh, I just I can just record it once and then I could use your system to basically make it sound natural if I repeat this, this snare hit. And yeah. could you maybe uh, share where this can be actually applied? Because it seems very, very useful to me. Yeah, so I think our, our, our idea was especially for these drum machines that would use samples, mm -hmm. like you said, that you wouldn't have to record many different versions. And also then for like computer sound effects, where you would have these impact sounds. And I guess traditionally you would use something like round robin playback that you have multiple ones and then you play back those randomly. But then I, I don't know, maybe you can still, if there's like three versions and they, mm -hmm. you listen to them thousands of times, you will start to yeah. hear the pattern mm -hmm. that, okay, that was, that was again, the same footstep sound or yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember from the, like the games from the nineties that oh, yeah. actually you could, you could hear that like three steps and then oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> starts repeating itself. But exactly. Like I think game audio is, is a perfect example of this where where you could actually, I guess, use it in real time, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's have... the idea also, that this would be like super lightweight to do in real time. Because I think we used like, all, the Velvet noise filter has only like eight, eight non-zero values. Mm -hmm. So that's like eight multiplications, eight additions awesome. or samples. It's very lightweight, actually. Awesome. Uh, so I I've gone to the example website of yeah. this of this paper and I've listened to examples and they're really really cool. So definitely this example website will be in the show notes over at dwolfsound.com and I really encourage everyone to go and listen to what this uh, lightweight algorithm can do to your sounds and uh, maybe making this discussion a little bit more. Uh, abstract, I w wanted to ask because uh, you had this path of uh, transitioning from uh, uh, was it, uh, electrical engineering or electronics? Uh, well, electrical and electronics. Ah, okay, basically. okay. So then to to uh, a company, then to master, and then to PhD. And I feel like your master thesis research and PhD was quite different from your previous experiences. Mm. So could you maybe share uh, if you had any difficulties when you started actual research work, so not coursework, but research work, and how did you approach these challenges? Uh, yeah, for sure. It was a lot different for, from anything I did before, but I still still think that that the coursework, in a sense, helped a lot for that also. Because basically what I, what I started with was just working in MATLAB to mm -hmm. write some code, basically. That was the first thing, actually, mm -hmm. I did. But yeah, for sure, they like more academic stuff, like then where to find all the like literature mm -hmm. and that stuff was much more newer to me, in a sense. But then I think... Benoit and Vesa did a great job, like supervising and advising throughout the way. So it wasn't too difficult because I could always ask mm -hmm. for help on a daily basis, basically. 
and that's great that you had uh, you could access them at, at almost any time. Mm. So did they point you to like specific research papers uh, where you should look for references and previous work? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Also, that I think in the beginning they even gave like that. Okay, here's like three key references mm-hmm. that you can start with, and from those I could find almost all of the other that I would need. Okay, cool. And uh, at the same time, what I what I find challenging about research is that when you have a topic and you want to approach it in a let's say new method, you cannot always predict whether it will be successful or not. So in this case, were you able to predict that your research will be successful, or your supervisors well kind of had this gut feeling that okay, this is a a good method or was it completely like okay we don't know let's see if it works or not yeah i, I think that uh, benoit and vesa had like the idea that okay this this should work mm-hmm. in theory because it's quite like a simple thing mm-hmm. like it's easy to visualize that okay if we do this this should happen basically so in that sense i think it was more like <clears throat> straightforward that okay now let's just do implement this and check if this is actually true okay so that's really that's really cool that you have this uh, idea then quick implementation and then you can say is it is it worth pursuing or not yes kind of like rapid prototyping yeah yeah (laughs) in a sense (laughs) okay cool i think we may safely assume that uh, as an someone who enters the research field, you were quite successful, at least in my eyes, because you already managed to get some nice results and publications out of them. So is there any advice that you could give to people who just start in research and maybe especially in, in audio research? For example, I would use some advice here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind would be that make sure that the whatever master thesis topic or whatever topic you start with is something you are interested in also. That I guess that's that can be like bad for the motivation if you're like, well, I don't know if I like the topic so much, but let's take it anyway. Like at least you have to have some some like passion for the topic, I guess. But I think other thing is just then to, you have to be like, okay with that you don't know that much about it yet and to ask questions. I think I, I a little bit struggle with that still sometimes that I like think that I should know this already. So, but you can always, and you should always ask questions along the way that will definitely help the way, especially at the beginning. <clears throat> Yeah, I also uh, heard about this, that there are some um, biases that like senior researchers uh, think they, they know something or they they were said something in a certain way. And it's also an opportunity for the, let's say, younger researchers to maybe question some of the things that are said to be known, but may actually not be true. Mm. I've heard it once uh, about audio audio research that some assumptions that were in the beginning 
like they, they were not proven, uh, turn out to be to be wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. And I guess yeah. The, and the other thing is definitely to to like your like your topic. And I also observed myself that uh, when I did projects in the past that I wasn't passionate about that at at a point where there is uh, not there aren't many results and uh, then you kind of lose the interest but if there aren't any results but you still like the topic then you are more likely to to continue and eventually succeed oh yeah yeah that's that's true also i guess it's a bit of trade-off also that you always have to the topic has to be something that is something new and will like improve the previous stuff or is something completely new but then that you would also be like really into it mm -hmm. and is it hard to find this this kind of topics in audio still or easy well i guess it depends <laughs> like of course many of stuff have been done like way way before already but i guess there's still always something something to improve upon the old old methods at least that's like always always there i think that we always want to have like better and more like faster and cheaper ways to do stuff definitely and so in your case i guess that mm, passion comes also in the interest in music right yes that's true so my background has been in music so i've been playing like since i was 11 in like various school bands and also also bands outside of school like I play bass guitar mostly and then acoustic guitar also and yeah then more more lately I've been getting into these synthesizers also and drum machines and all that electronic stuff and that has in a sense led me also to this field I guess because I've been always interested in music and sound in that sense <laughs> okay so can you share maybe a little bit about your current bands that you're that you're in yeah so now, now i'm in this finnish rock band it's called tutankhamun <laughs> nice and uh, yeah we play sounds finnish <laughs> yes yeah, <so laughs> yeah very traditional finnish <laughs> background <laughs> yeah yeah no but it's like a rock rock band like I would say just a rock band and uh, yeah I play bass in that also and it was actually nice because I had like maybe two years that I didn't have any bands so I, I only did like music at home for myself I think during this time I also got into the synthesizers because it's easier to have more sounds at the same time with the synthesizer. So do you have like a physical synthesizer or do you have a keyboard or do you just click on the yeah, synthesizer? Yeah, I have a couple of like hardware synthesizers awesome. like Novation, Circuit and Circuit Monostation and then I bought also this this uh, Tansberg like analog drum machine at some mm -hmm. point so I got quite into it. <laughs> awesome. And I guess I will feature links to your music in the show notes oh, yeah. for Thank this you. episode. <laughs> oh, and, <laughs> and what I heard is that uh, apart from the PhD, one needs some uh, kind of uh, a side activity. So I guess for you, that's uh, it's music. And is it also something else? Yeah, the music definitely. And then 
well, spending time with my girlfriend also. And uh, then video games is definitely one thing also that I, I'm quite passionate about. Awesome. And uh, so are you able to, after, you know, eight hours or, or even more in front of the computer, are you still able to play video games then at home? Yeah, that can be a bit rough at sometimes. <laughs> so it's not like I don't do it every day, but then maybe on the weekends. Yeah, it's definitely a problem if you work on the computer mm-hmm. and then all your hobbies are on the computer. That, <laughs> that can be a bit problematic. And uh, what do you play at the moment? Uh, now I've been. I just started this Nier Automata, and then I've been playing this uh, game called Satisfactory, which is like this automation and factory building game. So that's those. Those are the two games I've been playing now. Is it also a game like for engineers? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you you have to like have the Excel sheet open on the next monitor and then play the game on the second monitor. <laughs> nice, nice. And um, I also wanted to ask uh, how were you able to continue uh, playing the music when uh, the pandemic started? Was it the time that you were bandless or uh, did you... No, actually we had the band at the time, but yeah, yeah, we didn't have practice at that point, but we were anyway in a phase where we had like recorded some some songs mm-hmm. and they were kind of in develop, development in a sense. So it was also kind of natural break in a sense, mm-hmm. but yeah. Also, it's a bit hazy, like the whole pandemic time. Like, what have what have we done during that time? <laughs> it's all this big block of time at oh. this point, somehow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess like the um, playing together on the weekends or playing the gigs are made much more difficult. Yeah, definitely. That was like out of question for some time. But yeah, I still would play them like the play at home for myself and that but definitely I was missing the missing like the social aspect of playing with other musicians yeah maybe there's also an aspect of of audio research of being able to actually do a good uh, you know virtual reality experience of playing with your bandmates oh yeah yeah. while you're in separate uh, flats yeah Yeah, we'll see (laughs) So uh, I wanted to ask you, what are your plans for the nearest future? Mm-hmm. So research-wise or just in general? <laughs> Maybe let's say uh, research-wise and then in general. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so research-wise I'm now uh, working on like expanding this one-to-many conversion. So this variation filtering for impact sounds. So I'm aiming to publish this uh, like start of next year mm-hmm. so we try to improve a bit and we have a couple of new ideas also to expand on that first first version basically and uh, in general I would say prepare for the dark winter <laughs> <I guess>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true it's, it's already dark oh yeah <laughs> and yeah also we are now with our band we are about to release our EP soon. So awesome. That means maybe this episode is kind of 
on a par with oh yeah with your release and promotion then, tour yeah exactly <laughs> always are good mm. so my final question to you is if someone listening to this podcast wanted to contact you where can they find you online oh yeah so i don't have like a dedicated web page i should maybe do that <laughs> but yeah i you can find me on linkedin or facebook that would be maybe best way to contact me i guess okay i'll in you include the links to these pages yeah in the show notes so thank you very much for this interview thank you for sharing maybe the challenges that new uh researchers must face especially in the field of audio and uh, i wish you much much success in your future research and i hope you will be able to defend your phd at the end of the 2023 and then wear this special alto phd's uh, defendant outfit oh yeah yeah thank thanks a lot for this discussion and it was a pleasure to get to know you now also before you are leaving now <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true i'm leaving in a week oh yeah but maybe you'll get a chance to talk again someday yes hopefully <laughs> i'm looking forward to it thanks thank you all right everyone that was jon fagerstrom of the alto acoustics lab if you want to contact him or learn more about him please go to dwolfsound.com slash talk003. I listed there all the possibilities to reach out to Jon and also all the reference materials in this podcast episode. A friendly reminder at the end. Please go to iTunes and leave a review there. Additionally, if you'd like to learn more about audio programming, subscribe to my newsletter at dwolfsound.com slash newsletter. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the feedback that I got. I really, really appreciate all the support that you give me. And see you in the next one. Take care and have a safe holiday season.